I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. This is the Roundup, episode 2 for 2018. How are we doing, everyone? Welcome back. I made it to two of these. I did two of them, at least. I'm so proud of myself. I figured I was going to do one, and I was going to abandon it. Like, you know, re remember Freeform Jam Tram? That was a thing we did once, uh, four times I did. It, it worked out great. Well, we're back. Let's let's get into it right off the bat. Um, I'm a big fan of Krat Rock, as a lot of you guys know. And within the past year or so, I've been digging through some must-listen-to Krautrock guides, best-of lists, and I came across uh, one band, Amandul um, 2. I listened to one of their previous albums, Yeti, which I reviewed on a previous roundup. Uh, this is another album by them, Wolf City. And at this point, uh, having only listened to two Amandul 2 albums... I, I get the sense that this is not sort of a traditional quote-unquote Krautrock band. They are German, sure, but when I think of Krautrock as a style, which oftentimes it's not viewed as a style, it's just viewed as a nationality, but when you look at it as a style, you get a lot of monotony, droney nature, um, pulsation. There's, there's a... There's a pulse to it there's a drive to it but there's sort of this tendency for songs also to run on for long periods of time Amandul 2 is a bit of a variation it's a bit of a step away from this type of krat rock music this is more progressive rock with a nice german twist and then we got wolf city from 1972 right as Pro prog rock is hitting some of its highest peaks of popularity you had uh, yes, coming out with some of its strongest work. King Crimson coming out with some of its strongest work. Genesis, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer's blowing up. There's a lot going on in the scene. And in Germany, as we are aware, this was an era when bands like Can, Kraftwerk, Neu were ripping up the scene. And Amon Duel 2 probably would not have fit in that same club. Amandul 2 has a lot more in common with its British prog rock cousins as opposed to its Berlin-inspired, uh, strange uh, second uncles. Songs like Green Bubble, Raincoated Man, Surrounded by Stars, and the self-titled Wolf City have much more of a prog sense, uh, but with more bite-size for the most part. Some songs, like Surrounded by Stars and Mystic Blutzerts, um, do run long at 7 and 10 minutes apiece, but most of the other songs are only 5 and 4 minutes long. And it works to its, to its, uh, to its credit, where a lot of prog songs are typically obnoxiously long, they drag on for a long time, and if you're not into that style of music, they can wear thin really quick, as opposed to these songs, which sort of show up, they do a really good thing, and then they go away. It's sort of a bite-sized progressive rock that's sort of not something you would ever anticipate or expect. Uh, but Amandul did this in this album, and it did it also in Yeti, aside from those couple improvs at the end of Yeti. Uh, like Yeti, I really enjoyed this album. I thought it was... Uh, a great variation on the traditional British prog rock that was dominating of the era. Um, so there's some other ways you can look at it, as opposed to having these monstrous songs that go on for 20 minutes, you can have the same style of music, grandiosity, epicness, um, about dragons fighting wizards and all that crazy shit, but you have it in a much 
more bite-sized form that's a lot easier to digest and is not as daunting for the listener to listen to. And I would recommend it. I would recommend it a lot, especially if you're into that style of music. If you can't get enough of 70s rock and music, if you just need another thing for your prog collection to annoy everybody, Amundul 2's Wolf City, great suggestion. Then we sort of flip to the other side of the coin. While Amundul 2 is quite aggressive, um, we have a, another progressive style album uh, from France this time by the band Ange called Au Delay du Delire. I can't speak French, so I apologize. While, like I said, Wolf City is intense, Ange is sort of mellow. There's a lot of harpsichord-style sounds. There's horns. There's strings. It's got a light airiness to it. The album as a whole is chunked up into smaller bite-sized songs, but it's more or less one cohesive piece, seemingly telling some sort of narrative that I can't understand. But it feels like one large 40-minute song. Um, it can be a little, I don't know, I don't want to say the word frou-frou, but that's sort of the word I'm thinking of, is frou-frou. Uh, there's a style of prog that I'm not as big into that's sort of this light sprightliness that has this uh, medieval kind of sound, this Baroque kind of sound with emphasis on harpsichord, with emphasis on lighter guitar work, with uh, with telling mystical stories of warriors and knights and things like that. While I don't know if that's the actual narrative going on here in Odele du Delare, um, I just I wasn't as sold on it on Wolf City. But keeping in mind that that's a personal preference of mine, I enjoy more of that intense sound. Uh, York, I'd rather listen to Close to the Edge than Trick of the Tail. Um, however, the music is still very well constructed. The lyrics, even though I can't understand them, are presented in a way that it, it cohesively connects with all the music. Uh, I didn't dislike my listen of it. There were some moments where the album showed teeth, and overall, it was it was a pleasant little album. And again, only 38 minutes, it's not very long, especially for progressive rock. So overall, I would recommend this one as well, uh, less so than Wolf City. I think Wolf City, I would say probably buy it. Ange's Audele is sort of a, give it a listen. Or if you're more into that lighter style, like bands like Renaissance, then you're gonna like Ange a lot. I then came to an album from 1980, which was described as progressive. And, you know, in a way, I, that's what I got from this, is this is what progressive rock would have been if it really went into the 80s. A lot of your 60s, 70s prog rock acts didn't make it um, didn't make it into the 80s. They dissolved, they either broke up or they turned into pop album pop acts so who's you ever gonna forget generate big generator by yes or uh 901 whatever it is or they completely shapeshifted like king crimson into forming the disciplined beat three of a perfect pair lineup then there's this band here cybotron with its album implosion this really kind of captures what i think Prague could have been if it extended into the 80s ultimately not an album I really enjoyed a whole lot, but I could hear things trickling through that I did like, 
pieces of it, ideas of it, that really kind of give me an idea of what could have been actually a really exciting style of music is the progressive rock mentality, but with 80s technology. So your your new synthesizers, your Moogs and your Korgs and your uh, Simmons electric drums, but with these big epic songs. Most of these songs are six to nine minutes. Um, they... Uh, have a complexity to them. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of sort of the cheesy nature of them, though. Um, a lot of almost Kenny G style saxophone work, or if you click through a song, you're gonna hear the same synthesizer chord being played uh, at every at every click. So there, are, it it just didn't quite click for me as a as a whole. But conceptually, there's stuff in there. That I'm like, oh, this is exciting. There's some fun moments here, and there's sort of a glimpse of a band that could really exist that could have been really special. Cybotron is a Australian electronic experimental music band, and Implosion was the last album they wrote before they broke up with their first other songs, uh, albums being Cybotron, Saturday Night Live, and Colossus. Uh, it, it's a curious album. Definitely has an Australian quirk to it, has an international quirk to it. This is not something you would ever have heard of being concocted in the States, and it would have never sold well. But it left to its own device a couple artists creating something that just wasn't... I, I've never heard an album like this. This sort of ambitious sound with an 80s flair. And there are moments where I do really dig it. The Closer Will Be Around is super catchy, and it's just a real treat to listen to. And the pulsing beat from Black Devil's Triangle could easily have be sampled and cut up into either a hip-hop song or a dance song in 2018. I can't recommend this one because I felt it dragged. I felt like there was just not enough variation overall. But I think... Pick a song or two, find them on YouTube. I think this whole album's on YouTube like everything these days. And give it a little bit of a listen and kind of get an idea of, you know, this could have been something really special and it could have, it could still be a genre of music that could um, one day come to life as sort of a creative force of this mixture of synthetic sound but with the raw talent that comes with that progressive rock genre. As pretentious as that, that, that sounds. Switching back over to Germany... Gila with their album. Gila? Gila? I think Gila. Um, this was a little bit more on the traditional Kraut side. Uh, it varied. Let me, let me, yeah, let me correct myself. It, it varied um, in that there were moments where it had a very heavy Kraut influence and it had moments where it was a very 70s rock with a hint of pro progressive rock sound to it. And the album varied for me. It, it kind of went from song to song. So one song I would really like, one song I wouldn't. Some songs really ripped and had good grooves and guitar work and bass, had this driving nature, uh, this sort of like Jimi Hendrix jam kind of vibe. And other ones were just kind of slow and methodical. You have a song like Communication, which is sort of in that quintessential kraut rock style of just, this is 12 minutes of nonsense going on. But then you have beautiful moments like the closer individualitate, and that is just three minutes, 40 seconds of unbelievably hypnotic percussive work, reminding me of the band Niagara and their th epic three albums of just percussion bliss. Um, Overall, though, yeah, I was mixed on it. 
I, I don't know if, again, I, would, I don't know if I would recommend this one. Um, I think listen to that last track, Individualitate. It's very worth your while, very worth your time. Beyond that, there's a lot of other really good stuff that's better overall. I mean, you're never going to go wrong listening to some more kraut rock in this style of music, in my opinion. I'm a sucker for this kind of music, and you can produce, like, B-grade versions of it and probably C-grades, and I'm going to be like, oh, it's it's great. It's just a blast to listen to, but I, I'm a sap for it. I grew up on this style of music, and a guy or gal doing a guitar solo for five minutes with a good driving beat behind it, fuck it, whatever, I'll listen to it. Don't judge me. England, though. Let's go over there. Gong. Gong is one of the more peculiar progressive acts that come out of England with a never-ending rotating lineup of various instruments and styles. The other Gong albums I have listened to, I have thoroughly enjoyed. So I was very excited to listen to more Gong, as every time I've gone to it, Gong has been good to me, Gong has been loyal to me. So we come to Angel's Egg from 1973, part of this trilogy of albums that they were working on at the time the radio gnome invisible trilogy sounds sounds exciting in a quirky 60s 70s stoner british kind of way and we are so with angel's egg angel's egg is the middle of this suite and it's 51 minutes of frustration and tedium and even by prog rock standards pretentiousness you get it takes you nearly seven minutes before you really get to your first song the other side of this guy is a near eight minute droney nonsense kind of thing that just doesn't really go anywhere it's very quiet it's barely audible it's just a slog to listen to until you get to the second song sold to the highest buddha some wonderful wordplay right there and it's, it's just everything just never really goes anywhere. It flounders around. Songs just kind of never want to get started. Or if they do start, you have something like Prostitute Poem, which is just an unbelievably embarrassing headache to listen to. There's just smarmy smugness, double entendre, and it's sort of this cheesy cabaret sound that... Ugh, God, it, it, it's it's like bad musical music. Songs like Flute Salad challenge the patience with just more lofty nonsense. Same with Oily Way uh, or the lost song Ubi Scooby Doomsday or the D-Day DJ's got the DDT blues. I mean, it's, it's very pleased with itself. It's very uh, proud of what it's done here, but none of it is actually enjoyable to listen to. It just flounders around kind of endlessly in an exhausting way that gives me no joy to listen to. Not a recommended doll. However, listen to another Gong album recently, uh, a couple years before Angel's Leg, so from 1971, Camembert Electrique. And this is why I like Gong. This album is fantastic. A lot more focused, a lot more contained. It's about 11 minutes shorter than Angel's Egg, uh, and the songs are just more to the point. They're poignant. They are sharp-witted with lots of wonderful instrumentation and creativeness. It is quintessential prog rock, you could say. Um, 
so you guys rocking your your cruise to the edge shirts would fit right in at a gong show it's it's just it's a it's a wonderful little prog album to listen to it i don't have anything specific to say about it there's no song for me that actually specifically stands out but you're not going to go wrong with anything in camembert electrique if you skip angel's egg go with the cam go with the cheese not the eggs i guess is what we're saying here let's stay in england just for a little bit longer hawkwind i started getting into hawkwind early in 2017 with their first albums and i've been kind of listening to all of them up all the way up to here 1974's hall of the mountain grill and i've really liked these hawkwind albums they are drenched in reverb drenched in psychedelia they are awash in a psychotic uh rambling dystopia that sucks you into this sort of strange alternate reality um songs can run for 15 minutes but you never notice because even if it's the same three chords being hammered over and over and over again they're so drowned in effects and diff and distonal tones that you don't really notice it you just you're only getting bits and pieces surfacing at various times so though that three three bar riff suddenly is sounds horrendously unique and creative because you never catch the same bits of it twice so then we get to hall of the mountain grill which is a really weird album because i've listened to this collection of very disorienting very um uh like swimming in lsd styles albums and hall of the mountain grill pulls the curtain back a little bit it's cleaner sounding it's it's uh i don't want to say neutered but it's cleaner it's been scrubbed it's a little bit friendlier on the ears it's not out to kill you it's not out to make you trip for for the whole weekend and so i'm 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 left kind of stunned because while i don't i wouldn't want to listen to an endless amount of hawkwind albums that all sound like uh what the Grateful Dead really wish it sounds like. I, I'm I'm left wondering, like, does this work as a Hawkwind album? Is this, like, clean, sort of synthetic-sounding album really the kind of Hawkwind I want? And I think the answer is yes. Well, you have this collection, you have these first two Hawkwind albums that are nearly progressive in sound, and you get to the next couple, which are this very grisly... Uh, phase reverb heavy sound then you get to something here which is sort of it's 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 the clean album it's the it's the friendly one after the after the band has bitten your head off now you have this much more subdued more presentable it put on its tie style of album you have songs with clean pianos with lyrics that are understandable that don't go on for eight minutes on the same riff i like it I like it a lot because it shows a versatility in the band Hawkwind. It shows their ability to do something different and try something that's that um, that they hadn't been doing before. I don't know what the rest of their their discography sounds like. This is actually sort of the end of the Hawkwind I have acquired and what I'm planning on listening to at this time. Hawkwind has had so many various lineups that it, I feel like that maybe its pure essence is kind of starting to fade at this point. But this one... 
I think is a great capstone to the series of early, early Hawkwind albums and the early part of their career before they venture off and everyone except for one guy is the same same member of the band kind of sound and that's i think that kind of goes to gong as well and the challenges a lot of these bands face is they completely were obliterating their lineups over and over and over again except for maybe a core member and sometimes it led to the identities of these bands sort of being lost in the creative process and no longer the contributing artists that helped put these albums together are gone and you're relying only on the creative identity of one existing member and you could argue he was he or she was that that force but i don't know i it i don't know if if that's really always to band's benefit i know there's some bands where that that sole member um so i think of bands i've always mentioned but king crimson you have bands like spiritualized where that that one one original member does all the work basically allegedly or not and it works but then there's other bands here like gong um where once all those other guys are gone you're kind of left with this sad neutered version of it a couple quick shout outs i don't have a lot to say on these albums but i listened to four uh five sorry five albums by Popolvu, which is another german band in that kraut era these are particularly very ambient very mellow they'll have some indian style sitar work or hand percussion work uh even though only one of them nosferatu is a soundtrack the other ones all have sort of a soundtrack sound there's stuff you put on the background and you kind of just you kind of just mellow out to them they're I, I don't have a lot strong words for any of these albums, which were Aguirre, Einsjager, and Einsjager and Siebenjager, Hoysana Mantra, and Selig, Selig Preisung. I'm <laughs> trying to read this. Um, they're good. They're good little albums. None of them are long. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend buying them, but I'd say, you know, put them on, if they're on Spotify, put them on Spotify. If they're on YouTube, put them on. Give them a listen. Put them on while you're reading a book or something like that. I think you're going to like them a lot um one other quick shout out before i get to our last album for this episode uh, i also had the pleasure of listening to the audio for magma's 2017 mntet Ret trilogy which was a dvd of the band playing all three pieces of the mntet Ret trilogy contar cots anteria contar cots and mntet Re. um i loved it but i'm a big sucker for magma and soy music so if you like Magma, you're going to love it. It's a great recreation of all three albums in one successful run. Um, if you're not a Magma fan, you're not going to like this. And if you're unfamiliar with Magma, you just need to listen to Mechanic Destructive Commando before you decide to delve into two hours of Magma goodness. But these are all three relatively faithful to the studio recordings, just with a little bit of a punchiness of the live work. Um, Christian Vonder on drums is always uh, an, an inspirational experience Kim creating uh chopping up the rhythms over and over again and all of a sudden your 4-4 piece starts slicing in different ways that you didn't perceive possible he has this ability to just massacre his own percussion work but it always sounds like it's on tempo even if he's cutting it in all sorts of strange ways finally then we get to our last album Vandegraaff Generators H to he, who am the only one. More 
prog rock. <laughs> I'm trying to burn through all the progressive rock that I listened to recently so we can get to something else next time. And uh, it's it's a very long album. Well, it's about an hour, uh, hour plus, uh, released in 1970. This is my first Van der Graaff Generator album, which is a real disappointment because I really did not like it. has a very operatic sound, very heavily inspired by classical music and plays strongly to that. And at no point did it just ever feel like it grabbed me. There was no hook. There was no driving power. Very heavy on the progressive, not very heavy on the rock. And not very, uh, it just, it didn't have an engaging sound to it. It was very orchestral, very big, very bombastic. But I was just always waiting for the album to kind of get started, get going. Classical music can kind of get away with that kind of sound where it makes, it doesn't always feel like it's taking off because there's so many different varying pieces at once that you're, you're almost awash in a texture. You're almost awash in the experience of all these instruments sort of ebbing and flowing together, even if the song, a classical music piece, isn't a driving force. But the problem with an, uh, uh, a band like Van de Graaff Generator is it's a small lineup. You can't do the same thing because eventually you're, you'll only listen to four or five instruments doing something, and uh, it's not that appealing. I didn't like it at all. I found it really just draining and long. Uh, the final track, Squid 1, Squid 2, Octopus, I thought was okay. Um, the narrative was unengaging. The lyrics were okay at best. Um, a lot of people have told me that Van der Graaff Generator is sort of a must-listen-to of the progressive rock acts. While not very successful, they're apparently a sort of a cornerstone of that era, cornerstone of that style of music. And I'm still going to be checking out more other albums. I have a few more on my queue to listen to. But this was just a very disappointing start. Just a little too much of itself. And bear in mind, I own all the Mars Volta albums on LP. But even those, when at their most bombastic, always feel like they're heading to a destination. This just kind of was like, eh, we're, we're getting somewhere. And blah, blah, blah. that's this roundup, episode two, as I burned through a lot of my prog and kraut rock albums that I've been listening to. Uh, we didn't get to jazz this time, but uh, hopefully next time we'll get to some jazz albums. I have some David Brubeck I've been listening to, a lot of, uh, and some John Coltrane as well. And uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully this episode was better than the last one.